Yes, welcome back to Home Studio Q&A for yet another week here on Studio Live today. Episode 58, we've been doing 58 of these things. Over a year we've been doing this show and uh, I have more and more fun every single week. If you're here live on Facebook or YouTube, you can ask your questions in the form that's linked right there in the chat. Uh, and if you're watching on the replay, don't worry, we love you just as much. All you need to do is drop a comment down below and it's those comments that form some of the questions we answer in future shows. Or if it's asked enough, I just go ahead and make a whole video about it because that seems to be the easiest way to go. We do have a feature topic of the week, which we'll dive into in just a moment, and then we'll get straight into your questions. So any questions that you have, throw them in the form if you're here live, and we'll get to those. Topic of the week, should you use iOS or macOS to record your music or something else? The answer is it just doesn't matter, and you probably predicted that I'd say something like this, but I've been using a Mac for about six weeks now. I've never owned a Mac before. I've tried GarageBand and not much else. And there's been some really positive things about that. There's been some things, however, that I've really missed about iOS. And my answer to any question like this is, use what works for you that has the workflow that works best for you to create, record, and release your best music. Full stop, new sentence, end of story. The reason I need to point that out and I don't know why, I, why it comes across so much uh, when you're online, when you're in forums, when you're in groups, when you're on other YouTube channels. Some of the comments are baffling. Some of the defensiveness that comes through with people with what they use. I use GarageBand on my iPhone or iPad the majority of the time. But if you want to use Logic, if you want to use Pro Tools, if you want to use BandLab, I don't actually care. And if it works for you, I'll, I'll go, great, more power to you. I'm never going to tell someone to stop doing something that's working for them in order to do something that's not working or that may not work. Sure, you can try something new. I love trying new things. And I've been trying GarageBand on Mac for the last couple of weeks. And I've got some feedback on that. So let's jump in. I'm going to give you five and five. I'm going to give you five reasons that the Mac has been great. So five things I've been loving about using the Mac. And then I'm going to give you five things that I've been missing about iOS. And that way you can make up your own mind. And yeah, qu'est-ce a la dos, right? Why not use both? <laughs> but uh, yeah, to start with, Mac. Uh, what is good about the Mac? Well, the range of apps is pretty cool. So you can actually jump in, you can download apps. You're not restricted to the app store. So you can actually download big boy and big girl, big person apps like Reflector 3 that I'm using to reflect my iPad screen. I've, I've downloaded that and it's not in the app store. I've downloaded a bunch of other apps that are not in like Reaper, which is a great digital audio workstation for macOS or PC. You can download that. You can install your own apps outside of the Mac infrastructure. That's pretty cool. Multi-screen support. Like I I love my, my I love my iPad, I love my iPhone, but doing a show like this is much more challenging if I'm using just those devices. Because if I want to have a second screen here and bring my screen up and share it like this and have my webcam plugged in and have two different monitors here so I can see exactly what's going on, that's really not possible when it comes to iOS. I'd love it if it was, but whilst you can export to an HDMI screen, you can't do multiple screens. So I have been loving that with the Mac, even though I've had some issues with drivers and my monitors where I do have to do some tweaking every time I turn my Mac on. Bit annoying, but we're getting through it. Uh, the other thing is multiple audio device support. So right now I have two different audio devices plugged into my Mac. And that's good because I use a mixer, which I'm using right now for streaming. I've also got my Steinberg UR22C plugged in. And if you watched my series last week where I was recording a new song, 
that was really important because I could stream uh, with, without any of that weird feedback loop going on, but I could actually plug in mics and guitars and record those over uh, at the same time into GarageBand. So yeah, multiple audio devices is cool. If you plug two audio devices into your iPhone or iPad, it's just going to say, nah, we could only do one at a time. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, related to that, external camera support. <laughs> Again, if you're doing something like this, the reason I can do this is I've got my webcam and that's sitting on top of my monitor and that makes life a heck of a lot easier. So if you're doing live streaming, if you're doing live performing, yeah, you can position your phones and your iPads and things, but it is a bit clunky. I do prefer a desktop experience when I'm doing streaming because it's just simpler and easier to set up. And number five is processing power. Now this one's a bit controversial because it depends what you're using. But because I've grabbed the new Mac Mini M1, my goodness is the processing power insane. Comparing it to a similar device. So if you get if you go $699, right? That's how much your Mac M1 Mini, your base level, the one that I've got costs. $699 iPhone or iPad is going to have good processing power, but you ain't talking no like eight cores and you're not talking even eight gigabytes of RAM. It's definitely scaled down from that. So whilst you get, again, really good performance from the A-series chips that are in your iPhone and iPad, it's just not quite up there with the M-series. If you're doing multitasking, if you're doing really in-depth stuff, like there was a video that came out when the, when the M1s came out where folks were putting like a thousand plugins on in Logic. Now, you know and I know, if you go into iOS and you put 10 plugins on a project sometimes, you're going to start getting a little bit, of, uh, little bit of lag, especially on an older device. So comparatively, if you're spending 700 bucks, you're probably going to get more power, more bang and performance for your buck from the Mac. That was not always the case. One generation ago, that was not the case at all. So it's only these M1 Macs that have really taken that leap ahead. All right, that's enough. That's enough Mac love and iOS bashing. What's good about iOS? Why am I still going to continue to reach for my phone and my iPad when it comes to creating and blinding people, apparently, by turning my camera and, uh, what's that, my torch on? Turn off. There you go. Um, well, number one. The, the price of entry is pretty good. Even though I said, look, the Mac M1 is cheap, you can pick up an old iPhone 7 or iPhone 8 or an iPad Air 3 or, or, or the, even the, the new brand new iPad, and they're pretty cost effective. Like you're going to pick them up for a few hundred bucks, which you're not going to really get a quality Mac for a few hundred dollars. So I, I actually like the price of this. And not only that, but the price of the plugins and the apps. So if you look at the apps, I did say, you know, it's great that you can install all these different apps but you're paying 30, 40, 50, 100, $200 for those apps. The apps that you get and the plugins that you get on iOS are four to five times cheaper. And that's because of the old Mac store, uh, sorry, I, iOS store, 99 cent kind of meta that we've had going on for a long time. It's just made iOS apps cheaper. So if you're looking to get into recording and, and, and uh, producing, iOS can be good for that because you can get some good quality gear for not much price. Portability, I mean, it's obvious, but when I'm creating music, I can just take this with me on the go. I've recorded in GarageBand here in the studio with my nice setup on my iPad. I then just go, boom, save it to iCloud Drive. I pick up my iPhone. I tap download from iCloud Drive. I walk out the door and I'm mixing on the go. I get back to the studio. It's already saved in there. I open it back up on my iPad and we're good to go. So portability is definitely up there. The touch screen, <laughs> the amount of times that I've reached up to try to interface and interact with my Mac Really don't know why Macs don't have touch screens. I think it would be a real, especially the, uh, the the laptops. Like, where's the MacBook Air with the touch screen? It's, it's at the point now where anyone under the age of about 20 is just going to assume that they can touch the screen. And my children 
uh, they do it all the time. They're like, rrr, rrr. If, if they can't tap it and it does something, they walk away, they give up. So touchscreen on your iDevice is definitely the way to go. I talked about price as well of the apps and the plugins, the price of the actual devices. I did mean to separate those out, but we've already talked about that. So that was number four. And as much as I like the ability to install different things, the locked down ecosystem, I know that sounds negative, but the locked down ecosystem you get of the app store and the way that it protects you, I guess, from yourself, that is really good. So the reason I recommend iPhones and iPads to folks, um, who, especially if you're not that experienced in the technology side, is it's really hard to go wrong. Like the, Because the app store has to approve the apps to go in there and then you download and use those apps, in my experience, and I'm sure there's ways to mess things up. In my experience, it's really difficult. I can have my, my children have iPads and I know that they ain't installing some dodgy app. I mean, they are because even dodgy apps get into the app store, but they're not installing something that hasn't at least gone through the approval process at Apple. So there you go. That's my thoughts. What about you? What do you think about this? Do you use a Mac? Do you use iOS? Do you use both? What do you find the biggest pros, cons, and otherwise of both ecosystems. But remember, to summarize, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. No one has listened to a song in the history of the world and said, I can tell exactly that that song was created on an iOS device running GarageBand, unless they happen to notice and recognize Anders on drums. That's about it. But apart from that, no one's ever caring. The end listener doesn't give a crap about the platform that you use to record and neither should you. If it works for you, if it helps your creative process and it's good for your workflow, use it. Enough said, enough said. All right, let's dive in and answer some of the questions that have come through here today. Uh, just a few comments on that. Uh, Ed Z says, I just got a new HP Evo with a touchscreen and I love it. I know, it's uh, the, the Microsoft Surfaces, the HPs, Spectres and things, they're all really good because of the touchscreen. I like it. Um, Gary Hub says, I might one day use iPhone to record and the Mac to do the production. Yeah, and that's totally cool as well. You can definitely do that. Uh, uh, yeah, you can use both. Um, uh, Acer says, uh, I need one that doesn't have any sort of software control panel because most of those don't work with screen reading software. Yeah, uh, and that's the other thing. It's like a bonus tip. iOS for vision impaired folks is apparently amazing. Uh, the screen recorder, the voiceover, the screen reader and voiceover function apparently works very, very well. Uh, nice. <laughs> and Ed Z says, after, after I watched Dan Baker, I realized it would take me years to tap out my potential on an iPad. Yeah. And look, if, if, if you're using something else that's working for you, uh, but yeah, don't, don't, don't compare yourself to Dan Baker. The man is a freak and a freak in the best possible way. He's a super talented dude. If you haven't subscribed to Dan Baker, jump over, subscribe to Dan. Have a quick coffee break. And then we'll dive on in. Cody Walsh says, uh, I love using iOS for songwriting. It puts the blinders on that allows me to focus on writing. And then onto Logic, which allows me to edit with lightning speed. Great. That's a workflow that I know a lot of folks use. And if it works for you, brilliant. Go with it. All righty. Let's, uh, let's jump over to the questions, shall we? Just need to find my other tab here. No, that's not it. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still getting slightly used to... Uh, the, the Mac and where it puts everything here, but uh, we'll get there. We'll get there in the end. It's just trial and error and practice. Pract I've got to take my own advice here. Practice makes perfect. You're just going to keep doing things until you improve, and then you'll be fine. A bit like the Christmas songs I'm trying to learn for today's uh, happy hour. <laughs> uh, that should be fun. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the first questions that we have, and it is from our friend Ed Zed. 
Ed Zielinski says, is it safe to assume, and we'll bring it over here, is it safe to assume that both XLR inputs, both assume that both XLR inputs on a two-channel audio interface supply 48 volts simultaneously, or could it add noise, etc.? Mm. So it's an interesting one. Um, most interfaces these days, most consumer-grade interfaces, will supply 48 volts of phantom power to all inputs. So if I take into account the Samsung mix pad I'm using right now, the Zoom Live Track L8 over here, my Steinberg UR22C, whether I've got two channels, eight channels, or 12 channels, they supply 48 volts of phantom power to all of those. Now, in my experience, that doesn't cause problems. So I've never listened to a recording that I've made through those and not used. So say I'm, say I'm plugging a microphone into port one and a guitar into input two. Obviously, the microphone, if it's a condenser mic, it'll need phantom power. It'll need 44 volts of phantom power, but the guitar won't. If the question is, does is it bad to record through that second one with uh, phantom power on? In my experience, I've never noticed. I've never noticed a problem. Same with the dynamic microphone. If you've got a condenser in one, a dynamic in the other, I've never noticed. And I think the reason these manufacturers just go, you just put it all on across everything, is that it doesn't really matter. Now, if you're just recording something that doesn't need it, should you turn it off? Yeah, probably. Because, and there's there's rare examples of things like ribbon microphones, like really expensive ribbon microphones. If you push phantom power through those, then you can cause problems. You can damage the microphone. But with something like a Shure SM57 or 58, an AKG dynamic mic, the stuff that most folks use in the home studio, yeah, pushing phantom power through those isn't going to hurt it. Neither is pushing it through an instrument connection. So a guitar cable or a keyboard cable, you should be absolutely fine. So that's been my experience. Um, and uh, yeah, if, if others have uh, have similar experiences or or do have uh, advice or do think that it does generate noise, then let me know. But my experience has been that it does not. Next question here is from Rob Shealy. And he says, uh, I'm mainly an iPad user, but dabble on the Mac. Yep, welcome. <laughs> Definitely what I'm doing now. Uh, I haven't been able to find similar features like chords or autoplay or the piano. Do they exist on the piano? Uh, do they exist on Mac? Uh, let me answer that in one moment. Sorry, needed a quick, uh, quick cough. Um, yeah, so I'm, I also haven't noticed those on the Mac. Uh, and let, let's open up the Mac because we have the power of being able to uh, display this. I've got my, because I'm using my Mac, uh, for this show, I can now, if I get everything together, oh, that's the wrong one. I keep full screening things. I should be able to, except I can't. Why can't I move this? Because <laughs> I'm grabbing the wrong bit. I will get there with the Mac, folks. You need to just uh, bear with me. Bear with me for a little while while I get used to this. But if we bring this up, so what, uh, what we're saying here is... Do, 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 do. So yeah, when you're using a keyboard. So if we go into the Mac here and we go new software instrument track... And uh, we've got our keyboards here, so we've got over here. The way that it works, without the touch screen, the way that it works is very much more expecting you to have a MIDI keyboard. So even though, like if we go here, Vintage B3 Organ, and we go like Jazz Organ here, so you've got your Jazz Organ there, but as, you, as, um, as Rob has pointed out, there's nothing here, right? So there's, you can go here, you can change your track settings, you can adjust all the settings here like you would on the touchscreen of your iPhone or iPad, but there's no way to play it. The only way to play it in is to use your Command-K and bring up your keyboard like this. And do I have the audio coming through? Yeah. So we can play it there. But yeah, 
it's um it's there's no, nothing else to do. So things there is things like the arpeggiator. So we can enable the arpeggiator and put uh, an arpeggiator on like so. So we do have that, but to the best of my knowledge, and again, I'm kind of just hacking my way around here. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. To the best of my knowledge, we don't have any ability in here to actually add in, like to use the autoplay or to use it. And maybe that's another, that, that's number six for iOS is that, yeah, you have more of those tools. You do, of course, have your loops, so you can use loops to bring in different sounds. But yeah, from the Mac perspective, as far as I know, there's nothing like that. Always more than happy to be corrected if I am wrong. Uh, but, 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 but. Can, can I put, yeah, I, I need to work out a better way to put them in uh, in the, in a box. Short of copying them and then pasting them as a banner, which I guess I could do. Let, let's, let's test on the fly, shall we? For the next question, I'll do that. I'll copy it and paste it in on the fly as a banner. We'll give that a go. Uh, we'll just see if we have any, no, no, one's, no one's corrected that. Uh, I believe you have autoplay with the Logic Remote app. Ah, oh, okay. So yeah, maybe we need to experiment with that. I've not actually downloaded it. I'm going to download it right now on my iPhone. There's an app on iOS called Logic Remote that is misnamed because it also works with GarageBand, but it's designed to control your Logic setup from your iOS device. So there it is, Logic Remote. We'll get that one at the top there. So we'll get it. Uh, so free app and uh, yeah, it lets you like control. Oh, here's my password. Uh, hold the line a moment while I uh, just do all my admin. I don't know why oh, I know why it needs my password um, because I've just uh, updated this to iOS 14.3. Um, so yeah, there you go. It's going to it's going to download um, Logic Remote. So I'll, I'll play with that later. I'll put that over there for now, and we'll play with that later. I'll double click to install. Come on, man! I just gave you my password and everything, and now you need my face. All right, done. That's underway. Um, yeah. So there you go. There's some. There's an additional tip there from Tom. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's continue on. We'll go to our next question and I'll see if, uh, yeah. So this is from Diana, which is, uh, Blueser 9000. There you go. I didn't know. Yeah. It's good to, to hear the people and then the name. Cause sometimes I t talk to people and then I see people, especially on the create record release Facebook group and other places, I'll see a name and they'll say, Oh, Pete, remember how I did this? And I ask you this. I'm like, no. Like, oh, my, my username is Blingle Blangle. And I'm like, oh, Blingle Blangle, of course. I remember that. Um, but yeah, let's let's see if we can uh, we can create these banners on the fly. This is going to work. Uh, so can you exchange GarageBand files between GB on iPad and GB on the Mac? I'm glad you asked, Diana, because I've just been experimenting with this and I can show you the results. In fact, let's show you the results. Let's do this in real time because it'll be interesting to see. So here is GarageBand on the Mac and uh, what we can do. So we can export this. We can go to here to share and you're probably getting pretty excited here because on the Mac, we've got share project to GarageBand for iOS. You're like, yeah, bring it. We can actually share it to iOS. Here's the problem. It shares it as a single stereo wave file. Still in an iOS project, but it mixes and renders everything down to a single stereo file. So let's do this and show you what it looks like. Uh, this project was previously shared. Do you want to share it again? Sure. See, I've obviously been playing around with this. Uh, so we'll put it here in my put it here in my Studio Live Today folder uh, called Murdering Time, uh, so that I can get it in here in iCloud Drive. So we'll save it in there. Oh, it's already there. We'll replace it. Just so I can show you. So here's what it does. It renders it all out, yeah? It's going to render it out of GarageBand. It's going to bounce it down. But that bouncing word is what's worrisome here. So we'll have some coffee while it bounces. 
The short answer on this one is that you can go the other way. So we can go iOS into uh, Mac, but once you've saved it as a Mac project, you can never go back. Once you go Mac, you can never go back. So if you work on an idea in iOS, you send that project, like say this this could have been an iOS project to start with, right? With drummer tracks, audio tracks, virtual instrument tracks, I can send it to my Mac, but then once I've edited it and saved it in a Mac format, when it goes back to iOS, it'll only go as the type of file that we'll show you in just a moment. Because if that is saved, I'm just gonna jump in and make sure it's come on across into here, it has. Uh, yep. So today, yep, right now. So what we can do now is if we, in small than that, here you go, we're behind the scenes now here on my iPad, and this is that same folder that we were just in on the Mac. This is this is one of the rings. I should have put this. I'm loving the overall Mac and iOS infrastructure because I just save everything to iOS, and it's just always with me. It's very cool. So here it is, and that project looks pretty promising, right? Because the screenshot on it, of it looks just like it did on our Mac. But here's the problem. We tap it, and look what happens. Boom. I know. Boom in a bad way. What, what's a bad version of boom? Doom? So, uh, yeah, we've still got our project here. Have nothing to gain. But obviously, it's not going to be super handy because we don't have the ability to now edit. Now, what I'm going to play around and experiment with is if I then took this and just started adding tracks to it here in iOS, what I'm thinking I can do is then send this project back to Mac copy out the tracks that I've added and put them back into the original Mac version that I'm running here. So I think there's ways around it, but yeah, that was a long answer for a short question. The short answer to that one, Diana, is yes, you can transfer from iOS to Mac and it will retain all your settings and all your tracks. If you're going from Mac back to iOS, then it will send it as a stereo wave file as we've seen uh, in that example, and it'll look like that. So hopefully that helps you and anyone else who uh, has both and wants to shimmy their projects in between the two. Uh, let's uh, see, we've got some folks chatting here about yeah, Logic versus GarageBand and about some audio and some uh, uh, audio devices and other things as well. Uh, Luke Shaw Music says, uh, a quick question here, I'll just throw this one up here. What are people's thoughts on equipment for recording? I'm wondering whether to get a Mac and Logic or some cheaper laptop and Cubase, for example. What uh, would be better or is it personal preference? Yeah, it's all pretty much personal preference. Uh, I use the, I think the cheapest and, and easiest way to get into recording is to get a cheap PC laptop or desktop and something like Reaper or Cakewalk by BandLab because they're free or very low cost and the hardware is pretty low cost. The benefit of a Mac is that it's a bit more standardized. So yeah, it's, uh, it, but, but again, it's, uh, it, I, it took me a while. It's already, it's still taking me a while to get used to a Mac. So it does come down to personal preference, but really... What I say about this stuff is pick a path and then go on it because you're never going to know what would have happened if you picked the other path. It's more important to make a decision than whether that decision is right, wrong or otherwise. And in fact, I'll go one step further. It's never really going to be the wrong decision. It's just going to be a decision because you're going to start creating music with whatever you get. You might get down the track and go, actually, I'm not digging this. It doesn't work for my workflow. I'll go the other way. You sell off your PC and you save up and you go buy a Mac. Like, so yeah, just do something. I think that's more important to, again, to do something to make a decision than particularly what you actually do there. Alrighty, let's continue. Uh, Bob says, but can't you still, yeah, so you can still transfer one track at a time. Absolutely. So that's, that's a really good point, Bob. So if you wanted to, what you could actually do, if we come back over here, and I haven't, I haven't worked out if there's a quick way to, to stem out, but we could, like, in, like you can do with iOS, we could solo each individual track 
and then export these as individual WAV files and then bring them into any other DAW. So yeah, 100%, if you did want to do that, you can indeed do it. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, as Blueser said, thank you. I guess best practice would be to always save an iOS and or Mac before you export. Yeah, exactly. And, and using version control and making sure that you have different versions and you know where you're at with that. So yeah, I'll, and as I go through, I'll share what I come across because it's, it's new to me as well. So I'll, I'll do that. There you go. Uh, Tom has confirmed that the only way to transfer tracks is to solo and export each track separately. Alrighty, let's uh, jump into our next question. We've still got some space in the question log. If you're just joining us live, check the pinned comment there on YouTube or in the description there on Facebook. You'll be able to jump into the question form and ask your question there. It will definitely get answered today. Can't say that every week because sometimes we run out of time, but we've still got 30 minutes uh, and I've only got two more questions here in the loop. Otherwise, we'll go to some questions from the week. So let's come into next question and uh, we will... Uh, it, take, it takes a little bit longer, but let me know if you think I should do the the banner thing um, where we where we pop them down the bottom so that you know what the question is for those that are maybe watching along and maybe not listening and thinking, oh, do I want to know this question? So question here, this one comes from, uh, from Matt, Matt Gines. Matt says, uh, do you use a MacBook or a Mac Mini? I'm interested in how the Mini performs. Yes, I do. And oh, nearly knocked my coffee over. We'll have a quick sip of coffee. And then we'll answer this one. So yes, uh, it, for those that have been around a while, you'll know that I'm very much a dedicated iOS user. I use my iPhone and I use my iPad. And this channel is, it's not just about that, but you could definitely say the focus of this channel is and has always been mobile recording. I have recently bought a Mac Mini. Now, full disclosure, I bought the Mac Mini more for this, more for the fact that I can do shows like this. It's much more easy for me to live stream with a webcam and a mixer and two monitors here and do all of the stuff that I do here on the channel and to record, uh, record in my, uh, my tutorial videos and to multi-stream. Like you can see, I can have my, my Mac up here uh, showing GarageBand, but I can also screen share here with my iOS device. And that means it's really easy for me to be, do tutorials and the like. However, a nice happy byproduct of that is that I now have a Mac that I can play around with and start using. And look, I'm finding it pretty good. I'm finding it a steeper learning curve than I thought it would be, to be honest. I always thought the criticism of Macs was that they didn't give you as much power as a PC and that they were but but the trade-off was that they were super easy. They were just plug and play and it worked. I haven't found that to be the case. Probably because I have slightly more specific use cases than most people. So when I plugged in my webcam, I tried to load the Logitech software, it wouldn't work. So I've had to move to webcam, different webcam software. Plugged in my Zoom LiveTrack L8 mixer, it's not supported. Zoom haven't updated the driver, fair enough. I plugged in my two ASUS monitors here and I get this weird error every time I turn on my Mac where it flips them around and sometimes it changes the refresh rate. So I have to go into display settings every time I turn it on and I haven't found a fix for that. Hopefully it's a bug, hopefully a new version of Big Sur will actually fix it. But all that being said, excuse me, all that being said, your question about the power and the performance, yeah, it's a, it's next level. So compared to my old clunkin' PC that's sitting down here, and you know, not a fair comparison, the PC is like 10 years old. It's an old i5 chip from 10 years ago, the 3570 or something. So it's a really, really old, but it's got 16 gigabytes of RAM. It still ticks along okay. 
but yeah, it's it's loud. The fan noise is insane. It's sluggish. If you've watched my Your Music live show, you'd see that when I play back uh, play back 1080p video on a live stream, it's like two or three frames a second. It really just wasn't sustainable. Something like this, the Mac M1 Mini, it just eats all that up. And this is the base model, right? This is a $699. I paid $10.99 here in Australia. And yeah, it just eats all of that stuff for breakfast because it's just all on the chip. Even though it's got only got eight gigabytes of RAM, even though it's, uh, it's like a low-end, low-power, low-consumption chip, because of the way that it's been designed for everything to work together, there's just no bottlenecks. Everything just moves from one thing to the other, and it just gives you the... I'm going to say it, buttery smooth operation. So I can have, at the moment, I can have my reflector running with my iPad. I can have GarageBand running. I don't have to think about it. And that's what I want technology to do. I want it to get out of my way and not make me think, what can I do? I want it to just go, yeah, you throw whatever you want at me, Pete. I'm going to eat it up and you just focus on creating and doing what you're doing. So yeah, short answer to that one is yes, I'm using the Mac Mini. And I am enjoying it and I am, I'm pleasantly surprised with how much I'm enjoying it, but I'm also quite surprised at how frustrating it's been to get some of these things set up. I thought it would be easier to set up. So that's my, that's my plus and also my caveat for the Mac Mini there. Hopefully that helped you out. Uh, evening to those that have jumped in. Hello to Kev, who's just jumped in on in. Um, uh, we've got any other questions? No. Cool. Uh, yeah. And as Bob says, if you want to help me out, hit the thumbs up button. Absolutely. Uh, Acer, I'll answer this question over here in the chat, Acer, because, uh, yeah, I know it's going to be difficult for you to get to the Google form, my friend. Uh, that, that's the one thing. It's not great for accessibility, having the Google form. It does help me out, and it means that I can get to the questions, but we will still uh, we'll still answer a few questions here. Uh, what's a good option for an audio interface that works both on the computer and the iPhone for a low price? This is a great question, and I do get asked this question quite frequently. So, my recommendation here. So, it depends. If you want, it depends whether you want to whether your priority is quality or is your priority um, the ease of use. So, if ease of use is what you're looking for, uh, in fact, let's come over here. So, if we go to my gear guide, this is at studiolivetoday.com/gear. Um, oh, that's not it. Uh, where are we? Gear, 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 studio gear guide. I think I know my way around my own website a little bit better. So we're here on my studio gear guide. So here's my current setup. So you, you'll notice here that I've got a few different interfaces. Oh dear. I obviously haven't gone to this page from this uh, from this Mac because it's bringing up my... It's asking me to join and uh, accept the cookies and do all that thing and join my mailing list. Pl do join the mailing list, by the way. If you want to find out what's happening here on the channel, uh, Pete, uh, what is it? Studiolivetoday.com slash email will be the place to go to get on the mailing list. So we'll go down here to audio interfaces. So my recommendation, if someone just wants something they can use on every device, it's plug and play, but it's still high quality. The iRig Pro IO is what I recommend every day and twice on Sunday. Let's uh, actually, we can click it. It'll open in a new window. So here it is. It's the IK Multimedia iRig Pro IO USB audio interface for iOS, Android, Mac, and PC. Why is this thing so good? It has a, a microphone input with 48 volts of phantom power. It, it can accept an instrument input. So you can play your guitars, your keyboards, any other audio source through there. Just accept these cookies. Um, it has MIDI as well. So you can see here, you can connect up over here on the side. It's got MIDI in and out as well. And yeah, and there's your 48 volt of phantom power. There's your combo jack. It has a headphone output. 
It has it's all it's all powered by your iPhone or iPad, but it also has the option for for DC, so you can power it if you're doing long sessions. You can power it via a, a separate adapter, and you can buy those like a generic one or get the specific one. It is just the best all rounder. If someone says to me, Pete, I don't want to faff about with connectors, with adapters, with anything else. What do I get? It's this because here's the here's the big selling point. It comes with both your MIDI cables there. But out of the box, you get a lightning adapter and a USB adapter. So this will work for your current generation of lightning-based iPhones and iPads, but it's also got that USB-A adapter, meaning you can plug it in too. I could use it in my Mac Mini. I can use it in my PC. I can use it in my iPhone, my iPad, my iPad Pro with an adapter to USB-C. So it's just the most universal and versatile device. I know uh, Gary Hubbs, who's here in the chat, he's just picked up the Duo model. So this one's 149 for 199 You can pick up the Duo model, which just has a second input. So if you want to, and uh, second input and also balanced TRS outputs. So if you want the flexibility of having two inputs, the iRig Pro Duo, but the iRig Pro IO is definitely the way to go. If you want to get into entry level and you don't mind having the different adapters, so I would go with something like the Steinberg UR12 or UR22. Here's the UR12. It's a little bit cheaper, as you can see, $109 instead of $149. But the difference is, if you're using this with your iPhone or iPad, you'll also need a Lightning to USB 3 adapter, which come in at around, I think, $39. So you'll need that. So that's $109. You'll also need to pick up... If we come up to the top into my setup, uh, this one here, the lightning adapter, Apple lightning to USB 3 adapter, which is 39. So you can see that by the time, and that's the reason why I recommend the, the iRig, is that by the time you grab yourself the audio interface for 100 bucks, even if you get a cheaper Behringer or Personas one, you still need the, if you're using it with an iPhone or iPad, you still need the lightning to USB 3 adapter. Otherwise, you're going to run into problems connecting it up to your mobile device. So there you go. Hopefully that helps you out, Acer. I would always lean towards that. And working with IK Multimedia recently with the Mixbox stuff, they are actually a really good company. So I hadn't worked with them before. I've bought all my IK stuff. So the iRig Pro IO that I use is paid for by me. Uh, so it's a, the reviews that I've done on it are all 100% 100 But yeah, if you search my name, Pete Johns and iRig, you'll come across, I think I've done four videos where I record guitar, I record keyboards. I show you how to use the iRig Pro IO. It's a good little device. Quick bit of coffee, and then we'll continue on. Yeah, Gary Hub says, Santa is bringing me the duo. Really excited. Absolutely. Gino's got a quick, whoop. With Distro Kid money, I'm going to buy drumsticks. Love it. Gino says, iRig Pro, why the MIDI connections look like 8-inch plugs? P.S. I don't use a lot of MIDI. I just hook up my old Yamaha keyboard into GB with an old school cord. Yeah, really good question, Gino. Uh, and thanks for raising it. Uh, yeah, so the reason that they look different, we'll just jump back over here to this. The reason is that, uh, the one, I guess one of the downsides is that the iRig uses a, a proprietary format. So you can see it's got these little DIN connectors at one end. They're what actually plug into the iRig itself. So you can see there, it's got a little, how many pins is that? It's like a eight pin DIN connector that it connects into. And you get these cables, which are an eight pin DIN to all the different things. So these are actually a 2.5 mil. So what does that make it? Like a 10th inch? They're a really weird connection, a 2.5 mil to regular MIDI. So if you plug it into your MIDI keyboard, it works just like regular MIDI, but instead of having MIDI at both ends, the end that goes into the iRig is these little 2.5 mil plugs. 
it's, I mean, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's just because it's such a small form factor, it couldn't fit those big, chunky uh, five-pin DIN connectors that MIDI has on there, so they've made these little ones. Still just does exactly the same thing, sends the same data, it's just uh, it's just those proprietary. So the thing with this is do not lose these cables. <laughs> these cables are super hard to find. So if you get an iRig Pro, uh, Gary, don't lose your cables, mate. Put them in, put them out the back in your shed next to Jay's lawnmower, and that way they'll never go astray and you won't lose your stuff. Um, uh, Daniel, got a quick question. What do you think of recording and monitoring with TRRS cable on a mobile device? Yeah, so I, I always recommend if you can go digital, go digital. Use something that plugs into your lightning port or your USB port. Uh, using a TRRS adapter, you tend to get a little bit of feedback and a little bit of ground loop noise, a little bit of extra noise. The reason being, you're making the iPhone or the iPad or whatever device you're using do the analog to digital conversion. And that's always going to be lower quality than having a separate device. So if you compare plugging in, so what we're talking about here is into your, if you've got a headphone jack in your iPhone or your iPad, you plug in a TRRS adapter, you can plug a microphone into one side, your headphones into the other, and you can actually record and monitor. I've done it before. I don't love it. It's basically, it's it's a similar way to the, the analog iRigs and things like the Tascam uh, IXZ, which I recommend, IXZ, uh, I recommend as well. They're good, but again, they're making the, the device do all of the heavy lifting and they're not really designed to do that well. So at a pinch, if it's all that you've got, use it. Use what you've got to record, but yeah. The, uh, the, yeah, don't, don't go, uh, I wouldn't do it long-term. Wouldn't be a long-term plan of mine, but absolutely. If it's all you've got, use it, record with it, love it. <laughs> uh, Tom Rochelle says that I have an original iRig. It's good for its time, but it's just about any digital interface will be better. Yeah, absolutely. If anything analog versus digital, if you can go digital, do go digital. But again, if it's all you got, record it. And Gary Hubbs is a perfect example. He's talking about upgrading He's been using, uh, and Andy Goldsby as well, these these blokes were using just the analog iRigs, like really early, just generic ones. Well, I don't know if they were generic or they were the original ones. But yeah, just a cheap analog device. And they were getting some excellent guitar tones. So I'm a little bit worried about how epic their guitar tones are going to become. It may actually be so face-melting that no one will be able to survive it. It'll be like the apocalypse. But uh, there you go. Uh, I think we've got one question left in the form. So why don't we jump over to that over here? No, we don't. We've had some extra questions. I better get my ass into gear here because uh, we've had extra questions. And um, we'll throw these up here. Is this working? Do, do folks like having the question down below? Does that help out? I don't mind doing it, uh, but it's, a, it's an extra step. So if it's adding value, I'm going to do it. And if you don't mind the slight delay, it means I can do things like this. Auntie G calling in and says, does GarageBand on Mac have smart instruments like iOS? Sort of, sort of. So let's uh, let's show you what we sort of have here. Oh, I've done this again. It does this. Okay, here you go. Here's here's, here's Mac problem number four hundred and twelve. It puts my dock back over here. For some reason, halfway through a stream, it'll just take my dock and go. You want your dock over that side now, don't you? It's it's to do with that um, that screen issue because I have to change my screen orientation when I first turn on, and then after a while it just goes, nah, you want this screen to be your main screen, don't you? And I'm like, I really don't, but sure. So it doesn't have smart instruments, <clears throat> not really. Um, if we come in here, we've got a new software instrument track. If we go to say something like the guitar, oh, how do we get to it? It's up here. 
go to something like the guitar and we go like the the classic clean, the OG, then um, we we have it here. But again, it's kind of, it's waiting for you to have something to plug in to use with it. So you've got your arpeggiator there, but there's no autoplay, there's no control, there's no ability to actually play in uh, like you would on your touchscreen device, as far as I know, as far as I know. So um, yeah, I, or at least I haven't found anything. So I don't think so, but yeah, you can then of course just bring up your typing keyboard and... and play and you get that classic clean sound that sounds like a mini guitar from 1992 and always has and probably always will so yes the smart instruments well the instruments are here the smartness of them yeah that that's the questionable part and i still haven't downloaded all these packs look at this <laughs> i need to go and do the do the downloading of the packs but yeah it, it's not i think that's why like with my kids um, I throw them the iPad or the iPhone and they go in and start creating. If I gave them a Mac and GarageBand, I don't think they'd have the same level of creativity because you don't have things like easily accessible things like a beat sequencer that you just tap in notes. You don't have the smart instruments that you can just strum with your finger or hit the autoplay to play in some patterns. I've still got loops, can still do a few things, but I think what iOS did was make a lot of this music creation more accessible and easier to do, especially for those that aren't, not even you know, experienced musicians, but experienced at using recording software to record, if that makes sense. So hopefully that helps uh, with that one, Arnie G, and thank you for your question. Let's jump to the next one. I'll just come and find it. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm still, I'm still. Again, I apologise, and, and I apologise for apologising. I'll stop actually saying sorry, but I'm just, especially because it keeps moving my dock. I now there it is. I now can't even find, can't even find the question setting. Uh, Sean Watkins has a question here, and I'm going to do the same thing here again. Yeah, let me know if if you like the, if you like the the banners. Otherwise, uh, I'll stop doing them because they do take a little extra time, but uh, not too much. So, question here from uh, from Sean. Sean Watkins, what is the best way to upgrade or add memory to your iPad for recording? I have the 256 gigabyte iPad Air Gen 3. I appreciate, I anticipate recording a lot. Yeah, so let's talk about storage in iOS and uh, what you can and can't do. Short answer, you can't upgrade your storage. Now, I don't, I don't want that to be a super negative answer, but it kind of is because there is currently no way. So if we've come over here, there's currently no way. Here's my iPad. It's a 512 gigabyte iPad Pro, which I'm very happy with because I use a lot of stuff. Like I use this for video, for audio, for everything. It's my whole world is in this little iPad Pro. So I'm 512. 256 is good. 256 is about the sweet spot right now. That's what I have on my iPhone. And I use this for a lot of stuff as well. So don't, be, don't worry too much about 256. 128, you can get away with if you use a few of the techniques that I'll talk about here. So number one that you may want to consider, and I know it's a cost, this is a costing one. Number one you may want to consider is updating or upgrading your iCloud storage. So you get by default, I forgot, it's not much, is it 50 gigabytes or 100 gigabytes? You get about 50 gigabytes, I think, by default with an Apple account. That's enough to store some projects, but the problem is, if you've got devices and you want to back up your device to iCloud, 
which I strongly recommend, then you're going to need more than that. So there's two ways to upgrade, two, sorry, two levels. You've got 200 gigabytes, which I think is about, I think US dollars about $5 a month. And then you've got two terabytes, which is I think $10 US a month. I pay $14.99 here in Australia for two terabytes of iCloud storage. Now, yeah, 15 bucks a month is not is no chump change, but think about what you get for that. You get the ability to back up and have a, a ubiquitous backup of all your devices. So if you're running an iPhone and an iPad, or like my household, um, too many devices, and so we're too ashamed to say, but everyone in my house pretty much has an iPhone or, and an iPad or both, one or the other or both, then you can back all of those up. All your family's uh, iPads and iPhones are backed up to the cloud, means anything gets happened, anything crashes, anything gets lost, you can restore those from your iCloud backup. Then you get two terabytes of storage. So every bit of every GarageBand project that you have, if you're not using it, it'll offload it. It'll put it into iCloud storage. You can zip up your projects and put them into your iCloud storage and save them there instead. That's your costed version. Other ways you can do, you can use external storage. So I've got videos here on the channel about how to use the Lightning to USB 3 adapter to actually connect up a USB drive. If you're running iOS 13 or 14, you can do that really easily and then just copy over anything you don't want to a backup drive and then free up some space. You can use things like AudioShare AudioShare has a Wi-Fi drive function, which allows you to transfer from your iPhone or iPad to a Mac or a PC or any other device running a browser. That's super duper handy. And uh, there's also things like Google Drive and Dropbox. So if you're running out of space, zip up a bunch of projects into an old archive, like 2020 archive, and then just send, like put that, upload that to Dropbox or to Google Drive and leave it there, delete it from your iPad and you've got space. So hopefully that gives you some suggestions. You can't update it because Apple don't let you put an SD card in these things. They don't let you add any storage, but that's a few options that you have if you do want to get yourself some space. Uh, Tom Rochelle says, uh, I have a one terabyte external drive and set it to up offload unused apps. As soon as I get into video editing with LumaFusion, it filled up quick. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, 32, oh, look, oh, we've got we've got 32 gigabyte iPads in my family as well, as well as 64 gigs, and uh, yeah, you, you run out of space, you run out of space quick, as, uh, as Tom Rochelle says here, yeah, 64 gigabytes, you do run out of space pretty quick. Uh, alrighty, let's, uh, let's go to the, the last couple, I think we've got a couple more here, if I click on the right button, it'll take me to the form, no, that's not the form, it's this one, there we go. Oh, the que <laughs> I knew that would happen. I'm like, we've got time to answer a bunch of questions. And now we've got a heap more questions. But that's right. We'll, we'll get through as many of these as we can. Um, this is from ZT or ZT. And we'll, uh, again, we'll pop the question here in the chat and go, a boom. Yeah, it does take a bit longer to do this, doesn't it? Uh, have you ever tried or thought of trying Logic Pro X on Mac? Yes, <coughs> I have tried. I haven't tried it. I haven't done it yet. So I know I've got a 90-day window. I need to get my head around GarageBand first. So I'm spending the next few weeks um, getting to know GarageBand on Mac. Just, again, I don't plan on using it. I know a lot of folks have freaked out. They're like, Pete, you're abandoning us. I'm like, no, I don't plan to use GarageBand on Mac for all of my production, but I do want to know how to use it because I get questions about it. And I don't want to, poor Patrick, I bombard him. I'm saying, I, every time I get questions about Mac, I'm like, go ask Patrick. And he's like, curses, Johns. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to be able to know the basics of how to do things. And look, it may, it may turn into tutorials because as I learn things, like I think some of the best tutorials are someone who doesn't know stuff, learning how to do it and then sharing it. Because I don't know what I don't know yet, but as I learn it, I'll probably share it. Like the whole iOS to Mac thing, 
I think I'll make a video about that and my experience because a lot of people ask me about it and it'll be handy to have a video. So haven't tried it yet. Will I be trying it? I will, especially as there is a free 90-day trial, which I plan on checking out in the future. Uh, next question we have here is from Miro. Miro, how are you? I hope you are well. Uh, question here is, how can I connect Native Instruments KKA49 to Focusrite Scarlett 6i8 MIDI connector? Well, that's that's very specific. So the Focusrite Scarlett 6i8, 6i8 has a 5-pin DIN MIDI in and out on the back. So similar to the Steinberg UI22C that I use. So you should be able to connect the, the outs and the ins on your keyboard. So I'm not familiar with the Native Instruments KKA49, but I'm assuming if it's got the standard MIDI in and out, then you can use those. If it only has USB MIDI, I think you can go, see, because you can go, um, you can go MIDI to USB, but I've never tried using a, the output. So if my keyboard's got a USB out, can it then connect? I can't see why it wouldn't connect up if you used one of these. So if you use something like this, it should go both ways, shouldn't it? So I use this, which is, this is an old Ederol version. It's the UM1X. Uh, Roland make a newer version of this one. And what this is, is a USB to MIDI adapter. So you can see at one end, you've got USB. and the other end, you've got your two five-pin DINs. So the only problem is that this is USB-A. You need to convert this to USB-B that most keyboards use. And then I'm still not convinced that it would work. It's really designed to take your old MIDI connections on an older keyboard and convert it to a USB MIDI. Going the other way around, I've never tried. I wouldn't, to be honest, if it's got you, so if it's got MIDI, so if it's using these five pin DINs, just plug it, plug it out of your keyboard into the MIDI of your Scarlet. If it's got USB, connect it separately. So whether you're using iOS or Mac OS or PC, you don't actually have to go through the audio interface to use USB MIDI. So what you can do is plug in your Scarlet and then plug separate into another USB port, plug in your MIDI keyboard, and then you can still use both. You'll still be able to record using the data coming in from the MIDI keyboard and hear the audio playback through your focus, right? That is the one thing. When I said that even the iOS doesn't do two devices, it does do two devices if one is audio and one is MIDI. So that would be my solution on that one. Hopefully that helps you out. The final question, it's the final question, and I'm turning off the form, so no more responses may come in until next week, of course, when we will do the show again. And if you are getting some value, if you're having fun here today, hitting the thumbs up is a thing that you can do. It makes me happy. You know where it makes me feel warm, right? It makes me feel warm right down in the cockles, maybe below the cockles, maybe in the sub-cockles, yeah, anyway. Um, so, does GarageBand, here's a question, and this is from... <clears throat> this is from Jonathan. Jonathan Rook has a question here. Does GarageBand have an option to detune an instrument, say a keyboard, by a selected amount, say a certain amount of cents, say 50? Sort of. Sort of. So it does. It has a plugin, and I'll, I'll demo this. I think I'm pretty sure the same plugin is on Mac, but because I'm more familiar on iOS, I'm going to use iOS. So when I say sort of, there is a plugin that we can use here that will do this. And there's this is for free. There's paid plugins that are, what you're looking for is pitch shifting, yeah? So you need a pitch shifting plugin. There's some paid pitch shifting plugins. I think Jade Star's covered some of these before. Maybe jump, in fact, everyone jump over to Jade Star's show straight after this one. She's doing a special weekend edition of How to App. I think that's right, Jade. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, so Jade will be up next and maybe ask her over there because I think she's done some vocal recording apps that allow you to do some pitch shifting. But here for free in GarageBand, if we go into plugins and EQ, and we edit and we add. 
The one you're looking for over here, oh, no, it's in here. No, it's not, it's in audio unit. So if we scroll to the bottom here, it is called AU, AU pitch shift, is that? AU new pitch, AU new pitch. Here's the problem you're gonna have, is that this slider is a pain in the butthole because you can move it to the left and the right, but you can see how it doesn't give you an exact number. It, it only moves in like little increments. But the weird thing is that if you play around with it enough, you can kind of get it to move to different places. See, see how I got it to 0.25 cents? You can kind of get it to different places. So now it's going between 0.25 and 6.5, where before it was going like into different things. So if you just shimmy it around, eventually you'll get it to like 50 cents. But it takes a while and it takes some going back and forth. See that? Look, now I'm at 49.5. So if you weren't exactly keen, you'd be able to get it to there. But if you keep going, you'll eventually get it to 50 cents. Keep going backwards and forwards. Is this going to be the one? No, 49. What are we? 49.75. Go back to the right. Go back to the left again. This should be our 50 cent. Hey, there you go. So look, it's not perfect. It takes a while to do that. But now it's going to add a 50 cent uh, detune. So it's going to go down by 50 cents on this. And if we want to take a listen to what that, this sounds like on my overall track, if we play this here. Turn it off. Back on. Back on. Yeah. So the, the challenge is, though, like most pitch correction plugins, uh, it does add some artifacts. So you will need to play around with that, play around with the overlap uh, and just sort of get it sounding the best it can. But, um, yeah, uh, and Jade's saying she's having trouble posting links. Yeah, I don't know why that's happening. Uh, sorry about that. But, uh, yeah, it, it uh, maybe just go, go over to her channel and ask. Go, go to the, her show coming up next, which is what is coming up next. Uh, so, yeah, I'm assuming, Jade, if I got that right, I'm sure I read that you're doing a how-to app. But go to Jade's channel anyway and check it out. Uh, so you, you'll see Jade Star down there in the chat. This is her right there. I posted a link but don't seem to be working. Yeah. Um, and Tom Rochelle, have you posted a link? Uh, no, uh, I guess not. I apologize. Um, there's something wrong with link posting here. It's probably my YouTube settings. I do apologize, but yeah, go to Jade Star's channel and, uh, yeah, that should be good. We are done. We'll remove that banner. We are done here for this one. Um, so I hope you enjoyed that. Again, if you did get some value, hit like. Uh, catch Jade Star up next. I will be playing a Christmas set or a Christmas inspired set in my happy hour today. That's coming up in just four hours time, so I better get rehearsing. Uh, but for now, yeah, let's uh, jump on over to Jade's channel, check out the How To App show. Thank you for all your questions here today. Head on over to studiolivetoday.com. That's my home on the internet where you can find all of the different links to all of the places you can get in touch with me. And uh, a special thank you and shout out to my patrons over at patreon.com slash Pete Johns, you folks rock. Until next time, please be kind to yourselves, be kind to others and keep creating. Rock on folks.